0: If an innocent man being crucified on the cross is not an injustice, I don't know what is. In the very act of being crucified, Jesus begins to pray, Father, forgive them. We see a zero-victim response to the injustice that happened to Jesus.
1: Today's first-person guest is James Ward, a pastor and author of the book Zero Victim, helping people rise above an attitude of victimization. Welcome to this week's program. I'm Wayne Shepard. We'll begin today's conversation in just a moment, but first I invite you to check us out online at firstpersoninterview.com. Not only will you find additional information about today's guest and topic, but you'll also find the broadcast schedule and an archive of all past interviews. That's firstpersoninterview.com, but then there's also our Facebook page, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview, where you can leave your comments. So join us online anytime, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview or firstpersoninterview.com. Well, James Ward is a pastor and author, but he's also a musician, a corporate executive, and entrepreneur. I've enjoyed getting to know James and his wife, Sharon, and learning of their passion for the gospel and helping people overcome life's difficulties. His book, Zero Victim, addresses an attitude and mentality towards injustice and life's circumstances that can hold us back. James joined me in the studio recently to talk about how his own life, which started in the deep South, illustrates what he now teaches. Tuscaloosa, Alabama,
0: is uh, where I where I grew up and where I was born. And um, the whole idea with the, with the book that I just wrote, uh, Zero Victim, it started in third grade. I didn't I didn't realize it until many years later. Huh. Um, but uh, just listening at some of the challenges we're facing in our culture today, I grew up in Tuscaloosa where um, there was literally a river that runs through the middle of the the town, and the the black people were on one side of the town, white people were on the other side of the town. And going into my third grade year was the first time that they began to integrate the school system. And I distinctly remember the day that I got on the bus to take the bus to the white side of town to go to this go to this new school. You're in
1: third grade. In third grade, was that intimidating or
0: it it was? And that's that's really a part of this this whole idea of victim mentality and the power of 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 how you condition your own mind to experience those things. And so it was a, it was a great experience. Of course, on our side of the town, town, um, I mean, cars were broken down, broken glass bottles on the street as we crossed the river. Everything changed, and the homes were nice. Uh, Lots of great landscaping. And I said to myself, I want to live on this side of town. (laughs) I should be over here. But the thing, Wayne, that really impacted my life that I didn't discover until I was an adult is uh, when I went into that environment, which was totally new to me, um, being a minority, numerically speaking, um, being around white kids that I've never really done before. That was a pivotal moment for me that Mm -hmm. I either could have, as you said, been intimidated or I could have been in a situation where it was it was something that would define my life in a positive way. And that's what it ended up ended up being. And what I really discovered is when I began to, to do pretty well in school and get good grades, I made the connection that my performance and my identity and my self-esteem had nothing to do with the people that were around me. Mm. And I had no reason to be um, hostile towards them or have any negative relationships with them. And that was a defining moment to help me understand that, I can condition my mind that if I do my best and really understand who I am, that that doesn't put me in a position where I'm, I'm at odds or, or, or able to, to, to experience myself as a victim
1: because of my environment. I know from reading your book that a teacher, a very special teacher, had a lot to do with that, didn't yep, she?
0: absolutely. You know, I'll, I'll never forget Mrs. Pitts. She was the wife of a, of a pastor, a friend of my grandmother, and she really, really coached me in terms of um, conduct and posture and how I carried myself and my character and those kinds of things. And so I'm so very thankful for
1: When you say in your book that at one point you realized that you were as smart as anyone else in the class, I mean, mm-hmm. that, that was a powerful moment for me to read that statement in yes, your book. Yes, absolutely. You know, because we,
0: you know, we get into, into so many scenarios of talking about our environment and we define ourselves based upon externals. I always say reading, from reading the Word of God that he desires for us to live life from the inside out and not from the outside in. And that was a pivotal pivotal moment for me to discover um, that what I could do, what I was capable of doing, had nothing to do with the environment or the people around me. And what it did, it really helped me, I think, to not see myself as being inferior in my own eyes. Mm-hmm. That's a part of victim mentality. I describe it to be like a set of to be like a set of lenses. That if I'm wearing a dark set of sunglasses right now, to me everything appears to be dark, even though it's perfectly you know bright in this room. That's what victim mentality is like. It's sometimes we look through a specific set of lenses that we perceive things to be a certain way from our limited perspective. That was a moment for me to take those lenses off and to not read victimization into the environment because I realized that I could I could do well and the environment wasn't against me or the white kids weren't against me or mm-hmm. the school principal wasn't against me. That was a moment for me to not feel inferior myself, not that anyone was treating me as though I was inferior I still think that's an issue for us in the in the nation. Today. Yeah,
1: absolutely. There's a lot of important stuff for us to talk about here today. Mm-hmm. Your book is zero victim. Liberate yourself from the mentality of defeat, and we will talk about those things. But I got to talk about the rest of the intervening years between sure. that third grade revelation yep. and life today. There's a there's a lot of life in between there. <laughs> tell me, tell me, you you've been a musician. You're now a pastor.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I um, you know, grew up again in the South. We relocated to uh, Decatur, Illinois. Went to high school in Decatur. I really got into music, was able to do very well, um, got recruited to DePaul University. So I did my undergrad at DePaul. Uh, my family continued to move around because my mother was in the military. Her and my dad relocated.
1: But Chicago became your home.
0: Chicago was my home. It was a place for me to, to stay. And um, I, I met my wife here. Uh, I, I was one day uh, searching the television channels for someone to teach me the Word of God. And I came across this man who's now my father-in-law, Pastor Carlton Arthur from Wheaton Christian Center, and um, I just connected myself. The Lord led me right to him. He discipled me, and I got the, this extraordinary bonus of getting his daughter's hand yeah, in marriage. Yeah. And, well, um, she's
1: on the other side of the glass listening to yep, this. and
0: inspiring yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. I can see but why you past, fell in love with her. Pastor Arthur's and his close friend, Dr. Rob Thompson from Family Harvest Church, I've worked for the both of them, served the both of them, and they commissioned us to go ahead and, and launch the ministry that we have right now, which is Insight Jones. All
1: right, but go back a little bit because mm-hmm. you were describing for me that moment, that call. We talk a lot about God's call in people's lives here on right. First Person, and you—you you had a call right. away from music. Yep, you know, I'm, I'm sure you still play the drums once right. in a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was a clear and direct call from God. Describe that.
0: It really was. It's, it's, um, you know, in my mind, I was going to be the next Quincy Jones. You know, I was. Uh, Very acclimated to the business side of music, as well as the performance side. And I said, I was going to be the next Quincy Jones. And when I was about 22, I was touring with a band in Boston, and God spoke to me very clearly and authoritatively and said, James, I want your life. I knew exactly who was talking. I knew exactly what it meant, that it meant uh, a life of total surrender to him, but also an implication for ministry. And when I came back to Chicago, that is where I was really looking for a church to, to teach me, for someone to disciple me now. And that is when I came across uh, uh, Sharon's dad. But I knew from that moment that um, my life was to be given totally to the Lord. It was that clear? It was, it was crystally clear. One of the, the most distinctive times I've ever heard the voice of God. And you, you do it by faith. You simply say, okay. Um, I like to say, you know, I think as Hebrews 11 talks about Abraham, he went out to a country not knowing where he was going. I think it's a good thing sometimes when God doesn't give you the details up front because you might decline. Yeah, you might not be able to handle it. <laughs> <laughs> right, So you just have to say, yes, Lord, and step out by faith, not knowing what's going to happen. But um, I couldn't imagine that the the life that God has given me now, the ministry that he's entrusted to me now was on the other side of that, that,
1: the obedience to that call. Right. Yeah. So now you're a church planter on top of everything else. Church
0: planter in addition to everything else. We have a fantastic church, which is Insight Church in Skokie, Illinois, that we planted uh, just about two years ago. A great thriving congregation, and um
1: we're blessed that the church is really really ahead of schedule. I would say, yeah all right, well, let me take you back then mm-hmm. to that lesson you began to learn in third grade, yep. I mean that being sent to a school for purposes of integration right i mean there's a certain amount of injustice there that you have to do something like that, right, and right. yet you didn't go that route right you didn't curse the injustice right talk to me
0: yeah it's um and I guess I've always understood that there's really nothing profitable in that. Um, and I'm I'm just fortunate, I guess, at thirty at third grade. In third grade, God was really dealing with me and showing me some things that no one had taught me that were probably beyond my years. From an early age, I began to see the importance, Wayne, of of acting and not reacting. Mm-hmm. A huge part of zero victim mentality is being a person who does not react emotionally but you think intelligently and strategically before you react. That's a huge part of zero victim. And I've always, I've always understood that even from that time, that stepping into that environment, um, we have no control over our environment. We can't control what happens around us. We can't control what happens to us, but we can't control what happens in us, and we can't control our response. And that was a lesson that I began to apply uh, even to, during that time that's governed my life the way into my my adult years
1: well you're so young did you have support for this at home or was this all inside you or or how was this being worked out in your life
0: it was inside me and I i was simply attributed to the uh the principles that i learned growing up in the church um we could we could spend an entire day talking about um how zero victim mentality wayne is the
1: mentality
0: of jesus christ himself
1: what is your best synopsis of what you mean by zero victim mentality
0: I'll give you an analogy. Um, I use the analogy, for example, of, um, a pitcher and a catcher in baseball. Um, the catcher is, uh, obviously squatting behind home plate, but I like to say using this analogy, the pitcher is a bad dude. Let's call the pitcher a bad guy. Okay. He throws this, 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 this object that's rock hard. At the catcher, as hard as he can at a hundred miles an hour. I don't think that's a that's a good scenario for anyone to throw something <laughs> as hard on the as receiving a brick. Yeah, no. <laughs> hundred miles an hour. In other words, that pitch could be a life threatening event. That could that could be a potential injustice for the catcher to have this guy throwing this object at you. But the way that the catcher uh, responds is number one, he puts on protective equipment. He protects himself so that he's not injured by the thing that is coming towards him, which is a baseball. But secondly, he reaches out his glove, he's anticipating the pitch, and he, he manages the pitch. In other words, it's not a surprise to him, um, it's not something that he's unprepared for. Because he knows the pitch is coming, as long as the catcher is prepared for it, mm-hmm. there's not a problem. I liken that to injustice. I say in the book that we live in a hostile world that is perfectly designed to make victims out of all of us. In other words, there's always going to be some some life threatening projectiles coming our way. We can't stop that. But if we can anticipate them and prepare them and protect ourselves the way that a, catch, a catcher does in baseball, it's, it's not a problem because you're, you're managing those injustices as, a, as, a, as opposed to being victimized or abused by them. You know, I have discovered pastorally that the people who do well in life are the people who manage their challenges well. They're going to come. You can't stop them.
1: In this world you will have trouble. You will go, you're gonna
0: have them. You know, Jesus talked about that in in, in Matthew chapter twenty four, that a part of the sign of him him coming again, he tells his disciples, is that many will be offended. There's gonna be opportunities every day, all day for us to fall into the pitfall of victimization. But if we anticipate it and prepare ourselves mentally by conditioning our mind, it's not as big of a problem as it
1: as it potentially could be. That's James Ward, our guest today, and we'll continue this conversation in just a moment on First Person. In cooperation with the Far East Broadcasting Company, we're now producing the daily radio program FEBC Today with Ed Cannon. When you click on the FEBC banner at FirstPersonInterview.com or the banner on our new iPhone iPad app for First Person, You'll learn more about what you can do to assist FEBC in taking Christ to the world through radio and new technology. Learn more at FirstPersonInterview.com or download the First Person smartphone app today. My guest today is Pastor James Ward. James is the pastor of... What's the name of the church again, James? Insight Church. Insight Church in Skokie, Illinois. And he's the author of a book called Zero Victim, Liberate Yourself from the Mentality of Defeat. What a terrific message in this book. But I want to go even deeper on this this subject with you, James. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know it started in your personal life, and it's the way that you really live your life in Christ is with this mentality. Yep. Look at the past few months and everything this nation has been through. We've been dragged through a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. You must see this this victim mentality everywhere. Yeah. I'll, I'll
0: let you know these things are happening in the world. I think even our culture recognizes the problem with offense and victimization. It seems as though we're in a culture of offense and victimization now. And I like to say that the social cultural response to this problem is what's called political correctness. The 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 I should say the inefficiency of political correctness is that it attempts to silence or to censor the world Mm -hmm. around you
1: seeing that everywhere to protect you. And
0: that will never work because you cannot control all the variables of life. It puts a lid on it, but it can't keep it down. Absolutely. So that's the culture's reaction to dealing with this offense and victimization in the culture's political correctness. What zero victim mentality does is it helps you to address those from within, not from without. Political correctness attempts to silence the environment around you. Zero victim mentality is about changing the environment within you. And that way, when you step into a culture uh, where you're dealing with these kinds of things, you're prepared to deal with it. There's There's been reaction. I see emotional reaction all over the country. It's going to continue. I'll give you a perfect example of, of the difference, for example, between Ferguson, Missouri, between Baltimore, Maryland, the riots we've seen. In those situations, we saw an emotional reaction. Um, we saw a, I, I think, what we can describe to be as people who perceived high levels of victimization. But in Charleston, South Carolina, you saw something totally oh, different. boy, did we. There were no riots. But you saw a congregation who gave us a case study on what it means to react the right way or the appropriate way to an injustice. That one part of dealing with injustice is to help, is to try to eliminate the injustice from happening. But the responsibility for how you respond to it is just
1: as important as the injustice itself. It's very important for us to point out we're not talking about suppressing justice. Right. Absolutely. Not at all. We, we need to battle injustice where mm-hmm. it exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in any situation, we have to do everything we can to
0: eliminate injustice. But it's no excuse. Right. You got No it. excuse for what? Let me ask you that. It's, it's no excuse for our response to it. You know, again, let me go back to the principles of God's word. Let's let's take the life of Jesus Christ Himself. Jesus Christ was an innocent man. He was the the only perfect person that ever, ever walked on this planet from a Christian biblical perspective. And the 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 man who committed no wrong suffered the greatest injustice that the world has ever seen. He was crucified on a cross, Wayne. So if 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 an innocent man being crucified on a cross like a thief is not an injustice, I don't know what is. But in the very act of being crucified, Jesus begins to pray, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We see a zero-victim response to the injustice that happened to Jesus. And I think that, that this really crosses over even to our own spiritual well-being, our own spiritual development, that we see that that, that model by Jesus Christ that uh, we can't control what happens to us, but our response is very important. In many situations, the response can become as criminal as the initial injustice if we don't respond the right way.
1: I see how this has powered your life and empowered your life through Mm -hmm. God's spirit. Uh, How can we apply this to the macro situation in America? I mean, how do we get this message out? How can we change these major issues like racism using this mentality?
0: Sure. Sure. I think the very first step is awareness. You know, we're, we're doing everything we can by God's grace to to make uh, people aware of it. Some of the feedback we've gotten initially from the book and uh, uh, some of the emails we get in our office is that uh, so many people are telling us that I didn't know that I was a victim. I didn't know that's what I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. We're in testimonies. We're,
1: we're conditioned that way, aren't we? Exactly. Yeah.
0: You know, I mean, on, this is what was happening with my boss. I had an issue with my boss. I hated my job. I hated my coworkers. But after I read your book, I realized that I was the problem. I recognize that my mentality was a problem. I'm hearing from husbands and wives who are having marriage problems. I thought my husband was a problem, but the wife says, I recognize that, that it was me dealing with victimization. I think when we're very honest with ourselves.
1: That's the hardest thing to do. That's though. the hardest <laughs> yeah, thing to yeah. do. You know, <laughs> we but, can see it in others, but seeing it in ourselves is something yeah. else entirely.
0: But once, we, once we're honest with ourselves, I think everyone has an opportunity to, to see how victimization is, is potentially working in all of, our, all of our lives. And so we want to start with awareness to challenge all of us to, to act and not react. Whenever something negative happens, if we can program ourselves to think, I must act and not react. Act and not react. I think we can eliminate a lot of the the uh, the fallout and the uh, the the consequences that comes from our actions. Yeah.
1: When you stop and think about it, isn't this the message of the gospel? I mean, it starts with repentance. Exactly. It, always it, starts with repentance. Yep. it always starts with repentance. It always starts with me. It's it's not it's not the you. It's yep. the me. It always starts there with repentance. And, it, and
0: salvation is a personal matter. God deals with the individual heart. Another place that we see Jesus really teaching zero victim mentality is Matthew chapter 5 around verse 38. It's, um, you know, you've heard that it said that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth for tooth. That's responding to injustice with injustice. We call it fighting fire with fire. But then Jesus says, but I say to you. If someone smacks you on one cheek, he says, turn the other cheek. What? What was he teaching us? <laughs> yeah. He was teaching us, don't react to the injustice. Don't react in the same manner that 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 uh, the person, the offender, um, acted with you. But Jesus, he taught us to to react a different way. That's the Sermon on the Mount. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ.
1: And I don't want anyone listening to misunderstand. We're not talking about just right. lying down right. and right. just taking it, right? Not at all. We're not
0: talking about taking it. We never, never justify any kind of injustice in any situation. I simply say sometimes that if you're, if you're in a, if you're going to be in a fight after school, if you got this bully picking on you after school and you have to be in a fight and you cannot avoid the fight, the next best thing for you to do is to learn the, learn to fight so that you can win the fight. <laughs> and we're not advocating violence, no, but no, we're no. talking about life. It, it You know, it has a tendency to take some punches and to beat up on us a little bit. Yeah. We have to anticipate that and just prepare ourselves and be ready for it.
1: Well, the kind of uh, victim mentality you're addressing this in your book, it's really institutionalized in America, isn't it? It, it really is.
0: Um, I've discovered in some mild research that there are over 15 million civil lawsuits in the United States of America. I, I think by far we're the most litigious society in the world. Our answer for everything is sue. Anytime something happens, sue. That comes from a mentality of victimization that someone has hurt me, someone has done something wrong with me, I have to get them back, I have to get even, I need to be compensated. Insurance is a part of life. In some cases, it's illegal to not have insurance. But what is that? Insurance is the is the anticipation of some kind of victimization happening. It's just a matter of time before your house burns down. It's just a matter of time before you get sick. It's just a matter of time before you get in a car accident, and so prepare for it. And so that's an example of institutionalized uh, victim thinking that we're we're expecting something negative to happen.
1: If someone listening today is maybe for the first time realizing that they are prone to think in terms of being a victim, mm-hmm. uh, what what are the steps that they need to take?
0: I would say, number one, that um, I like to say that that environment is, is very important. Something as simple as your environment. Um, when I counsel couples concerning you know, marriage as a pastor, I tell them two things. They come and say, Pastor, I have a marriage problem. And I stop them right there and says, your problem is that you're trying to fix your marriage. First, fix you. And if the husband and the wife can fix themselves, you'll automatically have a great, great, great marriage Mm -hmm. focus on yourself. Really get deep in terms of assessing yourself. But then I talk to them about their relationships and their environment. You know, a person who's having some challenges. The last thing you want to do is hang around other people to reinforce those challenges and to to cultivate sentiment and to keep you there you want to get around some people who are successful in that area so that they can can help you come out of that and so sometimes as as, as in dealing with victim mentality we don't want to be around people who reinforce those things in our own mind. But we want to be around some people who are some positive thinkers who, who see life from a different perspective to help challenge us to, to come out of that. So environment and relationships are, are everything.
1: There really is no arena of life, whether it be on, you know, something as large as racism or mm-hmm. something as personal as a marriage relationship mm-hmm. that can't uh, benefit from this mentality, you know, zero victim.
0: Absolutely. It's something that I've, I've, I've seen that it's a blanket principle um, it's a holistic principle that applies to every area of our life, whether it's family, marriage. Um, you know, there are sibling, sibling rivalries, relationships that have gone bad with family members. A lot of it just has to do with victim thinking. Uh, sometimes growing up as a, as a, as a single child, you know, if you've experienced abandonment by your father or your mom, You grow up with victim thinking. And so it's something that really touches every part of life, um, this idea of victim thinking. Again, it's like this set of lenses, that everything you see through those lenses is tinted a certain color is tinted with the ideology of victim thinking.
1: Author and Pastor James Ward our guest today on First Person. His story is very interesting and one that is yielding good biblical insight into the way we respond to life. We'll place additional information about the book, Zero Victim, and its author, James Ward, on our webpage, FirstPersonInterview.com. And if you'd like to comment on the conversation you've heard today, please use our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash FirstPersonInterview. Once again, that's Facebook.com slash FirstPersonInterview. If you've missed listening to this program lately, you missed interviews with Bill Hybels, the Kendrick Brothers, Erwin Lutzer, and many others. And the easiest way to catch up is to use our iPhone app where you can download any program and take it with you on the go. My thanks to the Far East Broadcasting Company for making these programs possible. And now with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us next time for First Person.